may be seated. It's so good to see you. And I want you to do, to do this today. Just stay in the attitude of worship that you're in right now. And I, and I believe that, that there is, is something happening. I believe God's doing something amazing. Just stay right there for just a few moments. Is that all right? I'm going to put him on the spot. He didn't know he was doing that. I, I believe that God is doing something unique in the body and in our church and in our lives. Do you believe that? A few of you believe that. I believe that. And I believe that if we're just uh, courageous enough and if, we're, if we have enough faith, if we'll just step through that door. I believe God has got the door cracked open. If we'll just take a step of faith and say, hey, God, here we are. We're submitted to you. God, use us how you see fit. God, you, we are your people. We are your sheep. Lord, use us how you see fit. I believe God will do abundantly above that whatever we could ask for. Amen. Do you believe that? And I believe that with all my heart. Come on and give him one more praise in the house. I want to say this. If you're a guest with us today, this is your first time here, I want to say welcome to you. It is so, it's such an honor to have you today. If you're watching online, it's so good to have you watching with us today. And uh, what an honor it is. And uh, I, I know it's spring break week starting for Bedford, spring break week for Bloomington was last week. So we've got some people here, some people gone, some will be gone this week. And if you're going on spring break this week, Man, may the Lord be with you, bless you, keep you, and protect you as you go. And you have a nice, relaxing time, and I pray that upon you. But if you're a guest with us, we want to say welcome today. Home folks, can we give all of our guests uh, and those watching online a welcome this morning? It's our hope and our joy that, that when you come through our, our doors, when you, when you drive into our parking lot, that... Number one, that you're, you're met with happy faces and that uh, you experience God in a very unique way. And I think that's, that's what we're trying to do. And I believe that, oh, I, I tell you what, God's just really wrecking me right now up here. God is going to do something amazing in this body. And I tell you what, I'm just happy to be a part of it. I don't know about you, I'm just happy to say, just to, just to be a little part of it. I've got a word that I believe God has given for this house today. Uh, I do have a few announcements that I, that I, have, to, I have to go through. I, I just want to tell you this, uh, Easter's coming up, two weeks. And uh, as you know, we, we social distance, we have chairs. And, and coming up to Easter, we were praying about what to do and, and how to navigate this. And uh, we had a, a meeting with our staff. We had a meeting with uh, our board and had a meeting with uh, individual meetings with some of our team leaders. And uh, we were really praying about it. And I just felt like God just kind of led us to do this. And, and listen, it's going to take everybody to do this, but on Easter Sunday for, for one, one week, we're going to break into two services so we can make room for people to come. All right? Now, some of you are like, oh, man, I don't know if I like that, Pastor. Can I, can I tell you, our theme this year is to make room. Uh, the verse that I, that I quote in Isaiah is, Lord, or, Lord, 
we're going to expand our, our tent stakes. We're going to make room for people. Make room for unbelievers. Make room for people. Make room for your family. Make room for people that wouldn't normally come to church with you. They can come that day because we want every seat and every person, give everyone the, the opportunity to come to know Jesus Christ and know his resurrection power. Amen? Now, in that, some of you say, man, Pastor, that sounds like a lot of work. It is. But can I tell you something? The sacrifice uh, of serving and, 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 and giving extra of yourself on that day, I'm telling you, it, it, you'll be surprised what God will do with, if you just make yourself available. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Uh, we're going to do something. We're going to do two services that day. And we're going to keep the continuity of our normal service time. Our second service is going to be 1030. And we're going to do a first service that day. So, so all our early risers, we're going to do an 830 service that, that morning. So that's, that's early. Some of you say, man, that's really early. Some of you will get up and go to a sunrise service on Easter. So you just come a little bit later and just come here. We'll call it a post little sunrise service. So it won't be as early. But we want to make sure that we make room for as many people that will come. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell your neighbors. I want you to tell your, your kinfolk. I want you to tell the people you don't even like and invite them to church. You know why? Because Jesus loves them. And that's what God has called us to do. So I, I tell you what, everyone look at your neighbor and say, all right, let's do this. Now listen, one, one week we're going to do this. We're, we're going to do this. Now listen. There's nobody that's going to be more taxing to than this worship team and to this guy. Because guess what? I get to speak twice on the same thing, duplicate. I, uh, hopefully by the second time I'll have it down, right? But I, I believe that if we take this step of faith, is it a little bit scary? Yes, it is. Because you know what? We don't know what to expect. But you know what I, I've learned with God? When I don't know what to expect, if I just put my trust in him, <laughs> he makes a way. He makes a way. He always makes a way. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that, that God is going to do some amazing things, okay? And if you would like to get involved, I'm, I promise you we will find a place. If you want to come serve in the first service and go to the second service or vice versa, we will make a place for you. I promise you we're going to love on people, and we're going to ask God to just use us mightily that day. All right, are you guys with me? All right, good good. I hope so, because we're going to do it one way or the other, whether you're with us or not with us. We're going we're gonna to do it. And so, uh, and, and I want to just say, uh, even as, as, as challenging as that is, I believe that God is, is pushing us to another level. And I think God is allowing us to get a glimpse of where we're going. Okay? Some of you are like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm ready to do that, Pastor. You know what? Just buckle up because God will, God will give you strength. Amen? And God will do that. So, uh, you know, invite someone. April 4th, invite someone. Say, hey, two options. You can be here at 830 or 1030. If you don't come to either, I'm going to punch you in. No, don't say that. Okay, don't do that. You're never going to get them to come to church by doing that. But uh, just kidding. Just kidding, okay? Uh, but invite someone. Also, I want to let you know, April the 2nd, we're going to be doing a good, good Friday service here at the church. We're going to be taking communion, and I've got a special word uh, for that night that I believe God has given me. And when I, 
when I think about it, I, I'm just thinking about it right now, and it's 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 wrecking me up here. God does that. You'll know that. You'll learn that with me. Uh, God just wrecks me sometimes, and I'm okay with that. I, I'm okay being a big baby for Jesus. I'd rather be a big baby for Jesus than to be mean and mean spirited. Look at your neighbor and say, "Don't be mean spirited. Be a big baby for Jesus." All right. What an honor it is today to just be in His presence. Um, I believe God is going to to just do something amazing. We have some announcements, and we'll get to those at the end. But I wanted to preface those two announcements to let you know what's going on, so you guys can be ready, and that we can all we can all just make room. I believe by faith we expand our stakes. By faith, that's what we're doing. I'm taking a moment here just, just, just to kind of communicate where my heart is. I Hopefully you're hearing my heart. By faith, if we expand our stakes, that God is going to fill the house. Amen. Amen. So, all right. All right. Say, we're with you, Pastor. All right. Now, if you're not, you just lied. Okay. All right. Just one of these. I'm just playing. So, uh, if you have your Bibles, we're, we're going to be in the book of Matthew. And thank you. Thank you, Brother Larry. Thank you so much. And. Let's give our worship team a hand. Didn't they do a good job today? They do a great job of ushering us into the presence of God. And uh, you guys look good today. Everyone look at me, smile real big. All right, you guys all look good. And everyone in the balcony, you guys look good up there. I'm, I'm seeing shadows, but you got give me a thumbs up if you guys, all right, you guys can hear me all right. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew, the third chapter, and uh if you don't have your Bibles, we'll have it up here on the screen. But once you, once you get to Matthew chapter 3, say, I got it. All right, good. Some of you are looking at the screen. I got it. Right? That's okay if you are. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. There's, there's some, man, I, as I was, I, was, I was preparing for this, uh, I just felt like uh, this is going to be a a great word for the house leading up to Easter, okay? This, and so I, I, I want you to just buckle up. Everyone buckle up for me. Look at your neighbor say, buckle up. All right. Matthew chapter 3, verses uh, 1 through 11, and we're going we're gonna to read. It says this. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair, a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins." But when he saw many of the Pharisees and, and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. It's a pretty harsh words by John the Baptist there. 
He says this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork and in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. There's a lot to unpack here. Today, guys, I want to talk to you on this simple subject of prepare the way. Prepare the way. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your word. God, I ask, Lord, that you would use me today, God, as you see fit, God. Let me be an oracle of you, God. Let the words that come from my mouth come straight from you, God. I pray, Lord, you lead and guide me today. God, I am yours. And, God, I ask, Lord, that you would begin to soften hearts in the mighty name of Jesus, we prayed. Everyone said amen. Let me set the stage here. So here's John the Baptist. He is, he is uh, 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 I don't want to get too far ahead. He's Jesus' cousin, but he is a forerunner for Jesus. Basically, he was born a little bit before Jesus. Remember, Mary was pregnant and Elizabeth was pregnant. Elizabeth was pregnant just slightly before uh, Mary. And their son, Elizabeth's son, was John the Baptist. And Mary was Jesus. And so they're, they're cousins. But this is the point. At this point, right after this, right after uh, John the Baptist confronts the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus comes into the picture, and Jesus is coming to be baptized in the, in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. This is an awesome story. So this is Jesus, 30 years of his life. He's kind of lived in the shadows. All of a sudden, here he is. He's coming out into his ministry. So when, once he is baptized by John the Baptist, you guys know the story. The heavens open up, the cloud, there's a dove, and, and the voice from heaven says, uh, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. You guys know that story. And from that point, from this point right here, Jesus' ministry takes off. What happens after, after he's, he's baptized in water, he, he, he leaves and he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. You guys know the story. That, that, if you don't know that, you need to grab your Bible in the next couple of weeks and, and read about where, where Jesus' ministry starts. And here's what we need to know about forerunners. It was, it was not uncommon for kings to have forerunners. And a forerunner is somebody that goes before uh, somebody. It's pretty self-explanatory. People would prepare the way. They would basically go ahead, uh, like if the king was coming, they would clear the streets and make sure there was nothing blocking the way of the king. And we'd compare that today to our United States Secret Service clearing the roads for the way of the president. That would be an, an example. I remember one time I was in, I was in Texas and I was in Dallas, and we were, I was going to a, a baseball game. Someone so graciously helped to pay for my ticket to go to a World Series uh, baseball game, and it was a blessing to me. And so I was going to this baseball game, the World Series, and I remember we were stuck in traffic trying to get into the ballpark, and, and there we are, and, and the light turns green. We're getting ready to go. All of a sudden, the light just starts blinking, and it turns red, and then out of nowhere, here comes a motorcade with all kinds of police cars, and there comes, uh, at that point, I believe it was, I don't believe he was president, but President George W. Bush, the, the ex-president, he comes, his motorcade comes running through, and it didn't matter if we had the green light or didn't have the green light, guess what? He was getting through, and we weren't. He was getting access to the stadium, and we weren't. And that's exactly what a forerunner does. It's like those people that are leading the way. They're, they're basically going up to the streets and say, the king is coming. 
And they're letting people know, and they're saying, get out of the way because the king is coming. And, and so, uh, and so that, that happened to me. So, so a forerunner would clear the way, uh, but a second thing that a forerunner would do is let people know that the king was coming through and, and that he was on his way through. The prophet Isaiah and Malachi would prophesy. Prophesy, and we read this uh, in our text today. Matthew would repeat it. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. So John the Baptist, uh, when he was born, he was called to be a forerunner for Jesus. And he did a great job. John the Baptist would fulfill these prophecies by literally preparing the way for Jesus. He set the tone. You got to understand, Israel was in a drought, spiritually speaking. It was there was it had been it had been a long time since God had spoken to the people, and they're in a drought. And so John the Baptist, he is he is calling fire and repentance, and he is preaching. Matter of fact, John the Baptist was quite a character. Let's be clear here; he was a little bit strange. Many of us would say he was probably from California. He's a different duck. He's just kind of one of my kind of guys. Hey, John the Baptist, right? Uh, John the Baptist, number one, I want to tell you this. He was not Baptist. Even though his name says John the Baptist, he was not Baptist, the denomination Baptist, okay? He was called Baptist because he was baptizing so many people. So many people were coming from near and far to be baptized. And that was it. He was calling repentance, and then he would baptize them. Here's what we know about him. He lived in the wilderness in Judea. He lived out in the sticks. I feel akin to John the Baptist because I live in Williams, and I live out in the sticks. Lived in the wilderness. This is where me and John part ways. John the Baptist, he wore clothes made of camel's hair and a leather belt. I do have a leather belt. I do not have any camel hair clothes. So he's kind of, you know, kind of like a, like a hippie almost. He's just kind of, kind of just outlandish. He, he doesn't care. I'm just wearing camel hair. It looks good to me. I got a belt on. What, do we, what else do we know about him? Uh, if that wasn't strange enough, he also had a steady diet of locust and honey. Sounds real good. How many of you guys go to Golden Crow and go looking for the locust on the buffet? Right? You know, I'll take the honey butter, but I don't want the locust, Pastor. <laughs> right? And, and, and we also know that he was Jesus' cousin. But most scholars believe that uh, from young age that they weren't actually very close. Their, their, their paths didn't really cross as much as, as you, would, you would think. So, and here's the thing. None of us in here would look at John the Baptist if he was here in, in his full getup, eating his locusts and honey and, and his rugged personality. None of us would look at John the Baptist and go, hey, you're qualified to be a forerunner for Jesus. Most of us would look at him and say, you're not qualified. You're a little bit strange. You're kind of off your rocker. You're kind of just... You, you preach real authoritative, and, and you just kind of, kind of that. Uh, but most kings and queens would have car- would have caravans and retinues of people, horses and guards, and 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 you know today's standard, the president has a motorcade, but not Jesus. He had one man, camel hair, clothes, eating locusts, confessing Jesus, dunking people in the Jordan River. That was his forerunner. It's pretty amazing to me. I don't know about you, but I find so much relief 
in knowing that God will use forerunners to prepare the way of the Lord whose hearts are willing to be used. It wasn't about what John the Baptist wore. It wasn't about those situations. It's, it's people that they don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be well-dressed. They don't have to be rich. They don't have to be educated. But people just willing to be used by God. I don't know about you, but I want to be used by God. Not concerned about being judged by men, but rather used by God. That's one thing I love about John the Baptist. I don't think he was really concerned what people thought about him. I don't care. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. I'm going to tell you about the one to come. I'm going to tell you, you need to get your life right. And God is not interested in your credentials as much as he is your heart. And I love that about John the Baptist. That gives me hope. That lets me know, hey, if I, if I forget to shave one day, maybe I'm not as rugged as, as John the Baptist. But I could just imagine he was probably just a rugged. He, he probably stank. Didn't stink. He stank. I don't know. He was in the wilderness. He had camel clothes on, so he, he, probably, he probably didn't smell well. I don't know. He's in the water a lot, though. But anyways, today I want to look at something. I want to look at, at a heart that prepares the way of the Lord. A heart that prepares the way of the Lord. We're going to look at three points, and I promise you we're not going to be long today, but I, I think it's going to be good. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, buckle up. Here we go. All right. A heart that prepares the way of the Lord. Number one. Number one, here's the first point. A heart that prepares the way of the Lord, it points to the coming of Jesus. It points to the coming of Jesus. I'm going to read this. Matthew uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 3 says this. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For he, is, uh, for he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And so this is what we know. He preached in the wilderness of Judea, and his message was twofold, really. John the Baptist's message, it was twofold. Here's the first point I want to I make out, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna come back to this. Number one was repent. That was the first part of his message. The first thing he said was repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. And then the second point was this, was, was pointing people to, to the coming of Jesus. He's pointing people to the coming of Jesus as the, as, as the suffering servant, as the ministering Messiah, the compassionate Christ, and the sacrificing Savior. Here's what we know. So Jesus is not fully into his ministry here. He's actually coming into his ministry. But John the Baptist, being intuitive to the Spirit of God, being called by the Spirit of God, is already confessing who Jesus is. He already knows, hey, there's one that's coming. The Messiah is coming. And he's pointing, he's pointing to the coming. He's basically saying, guys, something big is about to happen. Do you feel that? Do you know that? Hey, listen, people of Israel. Listen, Jews. Listen, Gentiles. Somebody's coming on the scene, and it is a big deal. But this is what you need to know. Repent. Repent. And this is, I, I'm with John the Baptist on this one. Something big is going to happen. I believe that in this church, something big is going to, you heard me say that earlier, and I agree with John the Baptist, something big is about to happen. So prepare your hearts and let's prepare the way to usher in the move of God. Amen? All right. Verse 2 says this, repent. 
The kingdom of God is at hand. And verse 3 says this, prepare the way of the Lord. It's repent and prepare for Jesus coming. And this is what we have to do as believers. And this is what we have to do is, uh, uh, to let people know, hey, repent. The kingdom of God is the ushering of new things that God is doing. God was about to do something new. God was about to make a way through his son, Jesus Christ, for everyone to have a relationship with Jesus. Not just, not, ju not just Jews, but Gentiles. Everybody was included. He was about to graft us into the vine. And he's doing it through Jesus Christ. John the Baptist actually talking about Jesus establishing his kingdom in the gospel accounts uh, it, it, that is still established in the world today. So John the Baptist, before Jesus' ministry had been established, is already establishing Jesus' ministry. And guess what? Today, Jesus' ministry is still established today. It's being preached all across this world. You can go to foreign countries and you'll hear the name of Jesus. You can go into the underground church in China and hear the name of Jesus being preached. His church is still established today. Amen? All right. For us today, we can point people to Jesus' kingdom and to his second coming. You know, that's a good thing. You know, we're not, we're not in a place John the Baptist was time-wise where Jesus is coming. But guess what we can do? We can point to Jesus' second coming. He's coming again. He's coming again for his bride. And this is what we know. When he's coming for his bride, he's coming for a pure and spotless bride. Guess what that means? We have to repent. Amen. And John the Baptist was full of humility that, that he, was, he was not worried about being famous, but his only desire was making Jesus famous. I don't know about you, but I want to be that person that people look at and go, that guy loves Jesus way too much, but I'm okay with that. I want to make Jesus famous. Do you want to make Jesus famous? You know what? We make people famous all the time. We get on Instagram and we get, you know, we like people's stuff and we follow people and we make them famous. And people on YouTube, I, my kids, uh, you know, especially Novak, they, they, they watch these people on YouTube and they get so many views and they make millions and millions and millions of dollars for stuff. I'm like, they're just unpackaging toys. How are they making millions and millions of dollars of just unpackaging toys? And my son watches it. We're making them famous. Why can't we make Jesus famous? Amen? And I wonder what would happen if our lives and actions would point people to the living hope of Jesus Christ. Whoo. I love that. Are you tenacious enough in your faith to be bold in this world and in time that we live in? Say, hey, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the answer to stand for the purity of Christ, the holiness of Christ, the truth of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. You know, the thing when we say repent, that, 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 that's, a lot of people struggle with that word repent because you know what, that means i got to make a change. I'm going to get to that. I'm jumping way ahead of myself. But a lot of people struggle with that word repent. But here's what Jesus, this is, this is what repent really means. Hey, it's not that I'm, I'm taking this away from you, but I've got something better for you on the other side. You could give this up for a moment, but I've got something greater for you. It's like taking away a Happy Meal. You have a Happy Meal. You know, I love my Happy Meal. I, I, got, I got my toy, and I've got my little burger, and I got my little fry, and I think they give you apples. I got my milk, chocolate, 2%. And I've got my Happy Meal, and I'm happy with it. But over here, guess what? I'm a little older now. There's a, there's a guy with a ribeye who's got a ribeye and a baked potato and green bean and some salad. And he's saying, hey, I've got this. 
if you'll give me this. That's what repentance is, giving up a little Happy Meal for something that's better. All right? So, uh, and, and this is what we need to know. Is your life pointing to Jesus Christ? Is your life pointing to Jesus Christ? Is all that you're doing in your behaviors, how you talk to people, how you love on people, how you, how you smile at people in the grocery store? I got a mask on. They smile with your eyes. How you're smiling with people in the grocery store and letting them know, is your life pointing to Jesus Christ? Here's the second point. I told you we're not going to be very long today. Second point is this. It points people to true repentance. Points people to, to true repentance. Matthew chapter 3, verses 4 through 10 says this. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the region from uh, uh, region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing, uh, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to the baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Look at this. Look at this. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Go back to eight real fast. I want everyone to read that with me. It says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, I want you to put that in your memory bank. We're going to come back to that. Verse 9 says this. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Verse 10 says this. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Look at this. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. All right. So this is what we know. Point two is this. It points people to true repentance. And here's what he did. He came telling men of the need of repentance. His message was a message of confrontation. I don't know about you. I don't like confrontation. But you know what? Confrontation is necessary sometimes. Because without confrontation, things fester, and they get worse and worse. And sometimes you just got to nip it in the bud, as, as, as Barney Fife would say. All my older crowd was like, yeah, Andy Griffith. You got to nip it in the bud. And, and John came confronting sin and calling on people to repent. And look at this. People came from all around. Oh, you can't preach repentance. Oh, I'm going to tell you, you can because there's proof right there. And John the Baptist, people came to repent their sins, and then he would baptize them. Think about that. So repentance, it, it, repentance is right there. The word repentance means a change of mind that results in a change of action. Now, come on, somebody. The word repentance means a change of mind that results in a change of action. You know what? We have this rule at, at our house, and I don't know if it, was, if it was wise and it came from me or if it was wise and it came from my wife. But one day, uh, something happened, and, 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 I, and Tristan had to apologize to me. I don't remember. I, baby, I let that fight go a long time ago. But anyways, one, one day, uh, uh, one of us had to apologize to the other. I don't remember who it was. But, and, and I remember this statement. 
one of us said, hey, I'm sorry, I said, I did, whatever the case, I don't remember what it was, I've, I've thrown it under the blood. Jesus forgot about it, I forgot about it, all right? And, 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 and I remember one of us said this, you know what, you can say I'm sorry all day long, but I'm sorry means I'm going to do my dead level best to never do that again. That's what repentance is, is this. It's not just a, a, a change of mind, but it's a change of mind that results in a change of action. And the people had sinned, and John called them on, uh, to change their, their minds regarding sin. In today's society, and I just want to point this out, and, and we, we see kind of a polarization. There's a big polarization in our society anyways. There's this group and this group, and nobody ever wants to meet in the middle. But in churches today, there's this polarization too that is happening because there are, there are churches that, that strictly just uh, preach only grace uh, only grace, 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 and God is gracious, and God loves you, can I tell you that? And then, on, and, and, and on the other side of that, there's churches that only preach, uh, repent, 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 and they beat you on the head, and you know what, because you looked at someone wrong, they beat you on the head, because, you know, repent, and you know, you know the difference in those two things is, one is, you, you live how you want, because grace covers everything. And then on the other side, the flip side of that is you can't live perfect because it's legalism because everything is wrong. And neither one of them are right. Neither one of those are right. This one or that. Let me tell you something. Because true repentance, true repentance leads to a change in our attitude and our mind and our actions. It does. You know how I know that? Because James, <laughs> boy, if, if you were here for the, for the book of James, in James chapter 2, it talks about that. It talks about, you know, you say, oh, sure, James says this. He says, if you believe in the demons, big deal. Don't tell me, or you believe in Jesus, big deal. So do the demons in hell. They believe in Jesus. That doesn't impress me. But what impresses me is that not only do you believe in Jesus, but that your faith is showing, uh, you're getting fruit from what, what you believe. Right? It's not faith or works, faith and work. It's faith that works. That's what it is, okay? And I just want to point out, in Ephesians, Paul says we are saved by grace. Guess what? He's right. James says faith without works is dead. Guess what? He's right. It's not faith or works. It's faith. It's not faith and works. It's faith that works. All right. Going back to this. Repentance means this. It's a change in, change in action. I talked about this a few weeks ago. To turn a 180 means to change your mind. And when I say, hey, babe, I'm sorry that I did this. Forgive me for doing this. You know what I should be doing is telling her, hey, my intention is to never do that again. It's a change of action. Amen. I know it's quiet, but listen, you need to soak in that. Some of you need to hear that in your heart. Some of you need to believe that in your heart. Some of you need to take action with what you believe. And John the Baptist is showing some tough love here because he's calling it like it is. I, I kind of like that about John the Baptist. He may have been a hippie wilderness guy, whatever. He probably wore Birkenstocks. I can almost guarantee it. But there he is. But I love it because guess what? He is calling it like it is because he's not intimidated by man because he know who, knows who he is in God. And he knows what he's been called to do and he point his life towards God. And he's preaching repentance. John is so radical that he is doing something crazy. He's baptizing Gentiles and Jews. 
Jews were not baptized. That, that wasn't that. Hey, they, but he's, he's baptizing them both. That's why he's doing something radical because you know what Jesus came to do? He came to bring the Gentiles and the Jews together and graft us into the promise of God. And thank goodness for Jesus Christ. And we're leading into that Easter season uh, that, that, that Christ did that for us. Amen. And this is what he does. So here comes the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Here comes the church people. Let's just call it. These are, this is what they are. Here comes the church people, the temple. And here they are, and they're, they're coming there. And, and he, say, he calls it like it is. And he calls, them, he calls them vipers or snakes. You brood of vipers. I don't know about you. I, I don't, I've never seen anyone call someone a snake in a good way. You're such a snake. You're such a silly snake. No, nobody says that. When you say you're a snake, you're like, that guy's a snake, right? That means he's crafty, he's cunning, he's trying to get, get one over. And here's what we need to know. He, he's saying this. He calls them vipers or snakes. He calls them legalist intellectuals or liberal intellectuals. Because both groups are there, Sadducees and Pharisees. One group was very legalistic and one group was, was very liberal in their beliefs. One, one believed one way, and one, but, but they both, both were very versed in the word of God. But here's what verse 8 says this. And this is what John says. Bear fruit Concerning repentance. Repentance bears fruit in your life. What are you talking about? From repentance comes action. That action comes from a belief in Jesus. It's if your life is not producing fruit, can I tell you this? You need to repent. Some of you need to shake your fruit trees. You need, to, you need to look at this. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus uh, uh, says, unless you repent, you will perish. Then tells this story of the fig tree in the orchard. In three years, it produced nothing. And the owner said, cut it down. He's telling this parable. Jesus is telling this, this parable. And th for three years, this tree pr produced nothing. And the owner comes in, and he, he's there with the caretaker. And he says, cut the tree down. Get rid of it. And, and the caretaker said, give me one year to dig around it. And let me, let me dig around it and let me put fertilizer on its roots. And let's give it one more year. And let's see if it produces fruit. And the owner says, fine. But, and this is what the owner says. But if it don't work, cut it down in a year. And John says in verse 10, the axe is on the base of the tree. And he's talking directly to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He said, guess what, guys? Your belief system, what you guys, the axe is on the tree. And if you guys don't repent, if you don't repent, I'm telling you, I, there needs to be a change in your attitude. Repentance leads to, to fruit. And let me tell you what kind of fruit. If you have a repentive heart and you say, hey, God, forgive me for my sin, and you, you have a change of action, this is what your life should look like. Your life should produce fruit like love, like joy, like peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know what that is? That is the character of Jesus Christ right there. That's exactly what Jesus was. And if your life is not producing fruit like that, you need to go have someone inspect your fruit tree. Say, Holy Spirit, inspect me. Am I not feeding my roots enough? Am I not grounded enough? Have I, have I not repented properly in my heart? You say, TJ, hey, I'm saved, and my life is producing fruit, and this is what I say then. Then we need to get, uh, get the boldness in our voice and tell a lost and dying world that they need to know Jesus, and he is the answer to everything. I believe that. Simple. And this is what we know. Here's the second, the second point is this. John the Baptist pointed 
to true repentance. Here's point three. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. John the Baptist pointed to true repentance. Here's number three. A heart that is preparing the way for the Lord does this. It points to the works of Jesus. A life that points to the works of Jesus. Now look at this. Verse 11 says this. I'm going to get a little, little whew, this one gets me fired up a little bit. I baptize you with water for repentance, John would say, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I'm not worthy to remove his sandals. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff will burn with fire that never goes out. I want you to look at this. The point of this that he's saying there is this. There's a separation, and you hear about it in the scripture. Those who, who know the sheep, the, the sheep, the sheep that know the shepherd's voice, there's the sheep and the goats. There's a, there's a talk about a separation. And then here you hear John talking about the separation of the wheat and the chaff. You don't want your chaff in the middle of your wheat. Guess what? Because you don't want long stalks in in when you're making bread, right? And so there's a separation there. There's the good wheat, and then there's the chaff. There's things. And so, and then he talks about the tree, cutting down the tree. There is a separation. If you're not producing fruit, God's saying, hey, which one do you go in? You're either one or the other. Now, that's a, that's a very pointed word, but I'm, I'm telling you the truth today, okay? I believe this, preparing the way. And as believers in Christ, all that we should do to should point to Jesus Christ. Everything that we do, the way we talk, the way we live, the way we walk, the way we treat our spouse, the way we treat our spouse. I'm not preaching to my wife. I just happen to go towards her. The way we treat our kids. Some of us need to repent and say, hey, you know what? I've been really hard on my kids. Sometimes i got to catch myself and say, TJ, are you showing the love of Christ to your kids? Are you being long-suffering? No, Lord, I'm past that point. Don't look all pious at me like you're all good. Nobody knows you like your kids do. But sometimes I have to check myself and say, is my life pointing to Jesus Christ? Is the way that I'm treating someone pointing to Jesus Christ? Or is it doing the opposite? So, oh, that's the pastor at Cornerstone. He's yelling at his kid in the grocery store. Cool. Now, give me some grace. Sometimes I'm human, right? Sometimes I make mistakes. And here's what I know. Our job as believers is to make Jesus' name famous. I've said that many times today. And my goal and your goal in life should be simply this. That my life points to Jesus Christ and that everyone that sees my life doesn't see me, but they see Jesus Christ. Make his name famous. John the Baptist, he does something here. And he admits some things about Jesus in this, in this little bit of statement. And there's some great truths in this statement. And I could tell you today, if you come with an attitude like John the Baptist does right here, your life will, will, will change. Look at this. This is what he says. Here's, here's what he says. John the Baptist admits these things about Jesus. Number one, Jesus is greater than him. I believe that Jesus is greater than me. Jesus is eternal. I am not. In this physical body, I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live forever. But, but Jesus paid a price for me. He loves me. Now, remember, Jesus is just about to go into his ministry. So John the Baptist here, he's professing something before everybody, before he, Jesus even does a miracle. He's already professing. 
he's greater than I. The one that's coming, he's greater than I. And there's something about John. And here's, this is cool. There's something about John because people are traveling. John's popular. People like John. And they're coming to see John. But John is wise enough to know, guess what? He's more powerful. He's greater than me. And John says this. I can lead people to repentance, but he recognizes Jesus will be separating the wheat and the chaff. I could tell people, hey, you need to get your life right. But here's the thing. Jesus is the one that, that separates the two. And so he's greater than me. And Jesus would, re- would preach repentance. Oh, no, he wouldn't. I just, I just read in the parable in Luke chapter 13 where he did pre- preach repentance. And John is about making Jesus famous. Jesus is greater than him. Here's the second point that John does. John's not worthy to carry his sandals. And I love that one. He makes it just plain. The writer there in Matthew, he, he, he says it. He, he, he grabs. He just, John's just like, I, I'm not even worry, worthy to pick up Jesus' sandals. He's greater than, greater than him. And, and here's what we know. Can I tell you? I'm going to give you something very, very theologically sound, okay? Right here. Feet are gross. Especially in that day because people didn't really have closed shoes. And so when they walked, they would walk down the street. They had open sandals. Guess what? Animals would walk down those same streets. They might step in something. They might move in. You know, you catch feet were gross. Feet were gross. But look at this. I, I, I want to show you this. Jewish custom is that feet are disgraceful to them culturally and that they are unclean. But look at this. John the Baptist, he's humbling himself and saying, hey, I'm not even worthy. Feet are gross, but his feet, I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals. You guys don't even understand the weight, weightiness that's coming through him. I'm here to tell you the good news is coming and that something big is happening. Let me tell you, it may seem good what I'm doing, but what he's about to do is going to blow our minds. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. And here John the Baptist is humbling himself saying, I'm not even good enough to carry Jesus' sandals. And he recognizes this. He understands Jesus' supreme worth and Jesus' deity. I love that. I love that. You know what he's doing? He's humbling himself. The Bible says that when we humble ourselves, God will lift us up. He's doing that. I love that. Here we go. Number three. Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. This is what John would say. I've baptized you with water, but Jesus who is coming is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, I love water baptism. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to try to do as many water baptisms as we can because I, I believe that there's hope and I believe that, that people need to express what God is doing in their life. But, and John, John talks about that. He talks about confession and he would douse them in the water. The water, the act of dousing people in water wasn't what saved them, but it was their confession of their sins. Okay? You need to understand that. But John's saying this, hey, I'm baptizing people in water, but when Jesus comes... When he comes, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. As the water symbolizes change in our lives and baptism, the Holy Spirit, (laughs) water symbolizes change in our lives. The Holy Spirit brings real change. 
It's that still small voice when we're about to step into temptation and we're about to do something stupid. It says, oh, you better not. We go, okay. Right? Anybody been there? Am I the only one? Am I the only one that wants to get mad when someone doesn't go when the light turns green? Oh, better not, TJ. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. I, I needed that in my, in, in, to hear that. And he says this, you will have power. You will have power. With, through the Holy Spirit, you will have power. And anything that the world throws at you, guess what? You, you have Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit and you have power. Amen. And let me ask you this, does, does our hearts point towards the work of Jesus? Are we, are we advancing his kingdom or are we advancing our own? Oh, well, that was a, that was a shot in the dark, right? Or that, boy, that was, a, that was a gut punch, TJ. Because you know what? I don't know about you. I struggle with this. I love me. You love you too. But my goal is this. Hey, God, I just want to be a small piece of what you're doing. I don't have to be the lead. I don't have to be the guy. And John the Baptist was that guy. Hey, I don't have to be the lead guy, but I'll be the forerunner. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell people, Jesus is coming. Repent. Jesus is coming. Get ready. Jesus is coming. Clean your life up. And at, at a heart that prepares the way of the Lord will point to the works of Jesus, his life on the cross, his resurrection, and his second coming. Today is the day of repentance. Today is the day of repentance. Say, hey, this is a unique service uh, leading up to Easter. Let me tell you, Jesus' ministry right here, and, and, and you'll, if you read on further in that chapter, Jesus comes on the scene and he's baptized. But you know what? John, John's like, man, you should be baptizing me, Jesus, because you don't have anything to confess to me. Because you're, you're perfect. You should be dousing me. And Jesus is like, no, it's all good. We're going to do this. And as an example, and, and it's the Lord's kindness. And this, is, this is the day of repentance. It's the Lord's kindness that leads to repentance is what Romans 2.4 says. It's his kindness that leads to repentance. And in your heart, he's not doing it to beat you with a hammer and say, hey, you're bad. But he's saying, give up the happy meal and I'll give you the ribeye. Give this up and I'll give you more. If you give this up, I'll give you the abundant life. Ezekiel 36, 26 says this, I will give you a new heart, a new spirit. I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And so basically this, this is what repentance does. It leads from a stony, hard heart to a soft and tender heart. I love that. I love that. That's what true repentance does. So let me tell you this, prepare the way of the Lord. This morning, this Easter season, can we make it our heart's desire to have a heart like John the Baptist that points to Christ, the coming of Christ, to true repentance in Christ, that points to the works of Jesus. I want to read this to you because I, 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 this just floored me. I, I looked this up in Psalm 20, 24, verse 7, and this is in the, uh, the Good News translation, which some of you are like, I've never even heard of that translation. But this is what it reads, and I love the way it reads here. It says this. Fling wide the gates, open the ancient doors, and the great king will come in. Let me read that to you again. Fling wide the gates, open the ancient doors, and the great king will come in. Verse 8 says this, who is the great king? He is the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord victorious in battle. Fling wide the gates, open the ancient doors, and the great king will come in. 
will come in. Who is the great king? The triumphant Lord. He is the great king. And I love that first verse. Fling wide the gates and open the, open the, guess what? We are to prepare the way. You know how we prepare the way? We start right here with our own life. Open the gates, ancient gates. So today, will you just bow your heads with me all across this building? I want to give you a chance to do a little reflecting, to do a little observation of your heart this morning. And I want to tell you that repenting to the Lord gives us a new outlook, a new, new heart, tender heart. God wants to take the hard, stony heart out and replace it with something soft and tender today. You're here, you hear under the sound of my voice, you feel the unction of the Holy Spirit. That, that tugging at your heart is not my oracle skills. That is the presence of, of God. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. The Bible says that no one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit speaks to them. So today, that's the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart, giving you an opportunity to know Him. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to give you a chance to know Him today. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Let me give you a simple explanation what it means to repent in our hearts is this. The devil cast a vote for you. God cast a vote for you. You hold the deciding vote today. With no one looking around, all eyes closed, I want to give you the opportunity to know Jesus. If you'd lift your hand and say, hey, I want, I want to know Jesus as my personal Savior today. I, I believe this. I, I, I heard you talk about repenting, and I feel like I, I need to take that step of faith today. I promise you it's the best decision you'll ever make. No one looking around, anybody in the building, anybody in the building today. And just, Terry, just a moment. Come on. The Lord's, the Lord's moving. The Lord's speaking in this house. Anybody, anybody in the building? Okay. All right. I want to talk to everyone else in your heart. You say, hey, TJ, I've been a little calloused in my heart. I've been a little rough. And I need... Jesus to speak to me. I need, I need to have a change of attitude and a change of action in my life. I need to repent. I need to open, fling wide the gates of my heart so the King of Glory can come in. And if that's you, you say, hey, I, I need to repent today. If no one looking around, and would you just lift your hand? Anybody in the building? Thank you, 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 thank you. Hands going up all over the place. Thank you. Will you do this? Will you stand with me? Lord, we lift up our hands. We lift up our hearts today. Lord, to you, God, we say, Lord, let me. Be like John the Baptist, God. Let me be a forerunner of your second coming. God, let me, all that I do in my life, let it point to, to Jesus. God, let what I say, Lord, lead others to true repentance. God, a change of action and a change of heart, change of motives in, our, in, in their lives. God, I, I ask you, Lord, to for, forgive us. God, forgive me, Lord, for maybe being hard hearted and being rough but Lord it's your kindness that leads to repentance Lord I've settled maybe for the 
Happy Meal, Lord, but you've got something greater for me, and I believe it, and I know it. Lord, we thank you for that. God, I pray for each and every heart, hand that was lifted today. God, I pray that your, your spirit would begin to touch and minister, Lord, to the situation, whatever they're dealing with. God, you are a God who knows each and everything. Minister and touch in those situations. God, we give you the praise. Lord, we give you the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, can you give Jesus a hand clap of praise in the house today? Thank you. Thank you for being patient today. Thank you for being kind. And thank you for being receptive to the Holy Spirit. I believe God's doing something amazing in our house. And I believe God's going to continue to do something amazing. Uh, I want to tell you, if you want to be involved, Easter Sunday, we'll find a place for you. We, we need people. Say, hey, what can I do? Ask me. We'll find something for you, okay? I promise you we can do that. Would you lift your hands? Lift your hand this way. I, I want to bless you today. I know many of you are leaving and going. For, I want to pray for traveling mercies today as well or for people that are leaving. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.